Welcome to the Diary of an Arcade Employee podcast. I am your host, Vic Sage, and for this show, I will be discussing Bally Midway's somewhat controversial 1982 maze game, Pac-Man Plus. I didn't receive any feedback for the sound clip from our last episode, so I can't help but assume that everyone thought our subject this go-around would be Pac-Man, which is quite understandable since the music on the game is so similar. Pac-Man, or as it was known in Japan, Pakuman was of course created by Toru Iwatani in 1980 and developed by Namco, with Midway gaining the publishing rights for the massive cultural hit in North America. Midway had already scored a rousing success in the arcade industry by obtaining the North American distribution rights for Space Invaders back in 1978. Midway, by the way, was founded back in 1958 as the Midway Manufacturing Company and created amusement machines. In 1969, it was then purchased by Bally, who during that time was known for being a leader in the manufacturing of slot machines. A few years passed before the company set its sights on making early arcade games, like 1973's Asteroid, not Asteroids, mind you, 1975's Gunfight, and in that same year, Wheels, 1976 classic Sea Wolf, and 1977's Boot Hill and Desert Gun. By 1981, though, Midway had caused a bit of a ruckus when they released an unofficial sequel to Pac-Man entitled Miss Pac-Man, an incredibly popular sequel at that. I say unofficial because it wasn't developed by Namco, nor did it have their blessing. Miss Pac-Man was designed by programmers from the General Computer Corporation, who were working on an enhancement kit for Pac-Man entitled Crazy Auto but they had just settled a lawsuit with Atari over their enhancement kit for Missile Command, part of which stated they couldn't sell further kits without the consent of the original manufacturer. So instead of just throwing away their work on Crazy Auto, the team decided to bring it to Midway, who purchased it. Then, Midway, who had tired of waiting for Namco to release a sequel to Pac-Man, altered the sprites of Crazy Auto to that of a female Pac-Man, and so Miss Pac-Man was born and sent out to the manufacturing plants. You can probably imagine that Namco was less than thrilled by all of this when they found out. Their intended sequel was Super Pac-Man. A lawsuit came about, and both the General Computer Corporation and Midway eventually relinquished rights to Namco, who was so impressed by the Miss Pac-Man game, not to mention its popularity and profit, that it officially added it to their line of Pac-Man games. But in 1982, Midway, now known as Bally Midway, while still involved with Namco's lawsuit, decided to sell Pac-Man Plus enhancement kits in North America, starting on August 13, 1982, to help keep Pac-Man profitable. This was done yet again without authorization by Namco, and ironically enough, Bally Midway's creation of the Pac-Man Plus kit was in an effort to help stop the bootleg Pac-Man titles like New Puck X, a play on words of Namco's own new Rally X, Hangley Man, Joy Man, 
and Piranha, to name a few. I'm not sure if Valley Midway just thought they would be able to work all of this out with Namco or what, but selling the conversion kit, and at that point continuing to manufacture Miss Pac-Man machines, caused an unfixable rift in relations between Valley Midway and Namco, leading to the termination of the licensing agreement between them. Bally Midway even released flyers claiming Pac-Man Plus was, quote, the only legal Pac-Man conversion package, end quote, which wasn't true. I found a great flyer over at the Arcade Flyer archive. I'll be sure to include a link to it on this podcast post. So, what did this kit actually do to change Pac-Man? I'll get to that in just a second. At the Arcadia Retrocade, Shea Mathis obtained Pac-Man Plus about half a year after he first opened the doors to the arcade. It was the same game run where he picked up Atari's Star Wars and Sega's Congo Bongo. Our Pac-Man Plus is actually housed in a Super Pac-Man cabinet, which is kind of cool since it shares a spot on the main row with Pac-Man on one side and a true Super Pac-Man on the other. Like Warp Warp, the first time I ever had the pleasure of playing Pac-Man Plus was at the Arcadia Retrocade. So, about those changes in gameplay. Pac-Man Plus tasks the players with controlling a sped-up Pac-Man, with a four-way joystick allowing you to go up and down as well as right and left as you try to devour all 240 pellets within a given maze. While Pac-Man having a bit of a speed boost is certainly nice, the thrill is quickly quashed when you realize the ghosts have also been sped up and seem to be quite a bit more aggressive than in the original Pac-Man. Of course, if a ghost catches Pac-Man, he loses a life. The maze itself mostly has stayed the same, with the only difference being that instead of Pac-Man's neon blue, it has been altered to be a kind of aqua green. I would say the biggest difference between Pac-Man Plus and Pac-Man is when you ingest one of the four power pellets in the corners of the maze. Upon doing so, five things can happen. Five random things at that. Random effect one. The four ghosts will turn blue, inedible as usual, though they do shrink a little in size, and a green leaf and stem will sprout from the tops of their heads. Random effect two. The ghosts turn blue and can be eaten, but they will become invisible. You will be able to see them, though, as the power pellet begins to wear off, and they begin to flash white. Random effect three. Three of the ghosts will become blue, but a fourth remains unaffected. Adult, it will change direction and, of course, stay angry. Random effect four, the maze walls themselves will become invisible. Imagine trying to navigate after that. They become visible again after the power pellet wears off. Random effect five, last and certainly not least, the maze walls and normal pellets become invisible, which is the worst in my opinion. Of course, this too will revert to normal once the power pellet wears off. Then we have the bonus items. In the original game, you had cherries, strawberries, peaches, which I always thought were oranges, apples, grapes, galaxians, bells, and keys. With Pac-Man Plus, we have the option of ingesting a can of Coca-Cola in round one, a tropical drink in round two, green beans in rounds three and four, apples in rounds five and six, grapes in rounds seven and eight, a galaxian in nine and ten, a loaf of bread in 11 and 12, and then in levels 13 and beyond, you straight up get pancakes. The scoring for those items are as follows. 100 for the Coke, 300 for the Tropical Drink, 500 for the Green Beans, 700 for the Apples, 1,000 for the Grapes, 2,000 for the Galaxians, 
3,000 for the loaves of bread, and a whopping 5,000 for the pancakes. There is also the added bonus that when you pick up one of those items, it acts as a power pellet, making all four ghosts edible as well as invisible. Munching those ghosts after eating a bonus item also changes the scoring. The first one you eat is worth 400 points. Then the second is 800, and then 1600, and finally 3200. The scoring for eating them just after ingesting a power pellet is 200, 400, 800, and then 1600. There is one other difference between Pac-Man and Pac-Man Plus, although it has nothing to do with the gameplay. It's the marquee. It not only boasts the game is exciting and new, but it also sports a pair of Pac-Man. Or Pac-Eye. Pac-Men? Hmm. Well, anyway, those of us that grew up in the 80s will certainly recognize the change in Pac-Man on the marquee. He has two eyes and a nose, two arms with gloves over his hands, and two legs and is wearing boots. He also has a great big smile on his face. That same grin we saw every Saturday morning beginning on September 25th, 1982. of the effects on the ghosts and mazes, it was once thought there were no patterns like in the original Pac-Man. This isn't exactly true. In fact, I found some humorous sounding patterns for the game like the Switchback Dot Crusher and the Drunken Double Cross. Arcadia Retrocade's own Michael Dietrich holds the high score record with 538,590 points. I was able to have a nice chat with him by instant message before the show. And he said, quote, So there are patterns that do exist to a degree. The fourth pancake, same as the keys, uses the master pattern. That is, I can use it all the way to the 256th screen from pancake 4 and on. There is some ad-libbing before that screen, but that's during the cleanup phase when only the corners are left and a few dots. If you know the usual evading tactics, it's not much different than regular Pac-Man. One other thing. The Arcadia Retrocade machine is set to hard mode, which is why the fourth pancake is the highest stage. On normal difficulty, it would be the eighth pancake. At that point, the power pellets and bonus items stop working and just become reverse dots. You cannot eat the ghosts, only alter their direction when you grab one of those items. End quote. A big thanks to Michael for also informing me that the world record holder for Pac-Man Plus is David Race, with 3,466,600 points, which was verified on September 18, 2013. The second highest record was by Shannon Ryan, and that was back on November 21, 1983. Shannon held the record with a very impressive 3,213,900 points, and I might add, for over 30 years. We are going to get Michael on the show in the near future. You listeners will have to pepper him with questions on nabbing the high scores on your favorite games. Due to the 1983 video game crash, and, I assume, the lawsuits between Bally Midway and Namco, 
Pac-Man Plus was never ported to the popular gaming systems of the day. However, it was made available as part of Jack's specific Pac-Man TV games, the plug-and-play units. It's the only unofficial Pac-Man title in the set of games, which also includes Pac-Man, Super Pac-Man, and Pac-and-Pal. The official Bandai Namco Pac-Man site offers a mobile phone game version of Pac-Man Plus, throwing in the twist that if a ghost matches the color of the maze you are playing, it is immune to the power pellets. And now, this message. Atari Pac-Man into your Atari video computer system and you're playing the hottest games in Space Invaders, Atari Pac-Man. is a typical 12-year-old. He loves the brewers, he won't eat liver, and he's absolutely nuts about Pac-Man. You know, Pac-Man, that little yellow chopper who's as popular as Santa Claus. Pac-Man fever, Pac-Man fever, it's crazy. The first time Craig played Pac-Man in a video arcade, he was hooked. Since then, he's played nearly every day on his home version. Even though he has 82 game cartridges to choose from, he's concentrating on Pac-Man for one reason. Craig has a good chance of winning the world's largest Pac-Man tournament. I'm really excited if I win. If I don't win, I might get a good prize and still be happy. You nervous about the contest, Craig? Well, a little. But don't be don't... too nervous, otherwise you're going to lose. Oh, the golden days. Friends, forgive me for getting more sentimental than usual, but listening to that small news clip report brings all of those memories of the golden age of Pac-Man rushing back. Pac-Man was king. You could find him in your cereal bowl, on t-shirts and in coloring books. He had his own color form set, as well as a board and card game. Heck, I could even recall one day in grade school as a special treat the late great Mrs. Emma Pennington, who was totally against video games, taking her class by bus to our local showbiz pizza. Good times. Now, I mentioned that Pac-Man Plus hadn't, for various reasons, been ported to the popular home consoles of the time. That doesn't mean that oversight hasn't been corrected, however, by the homebrew community. For example, we have a member of the AtariAge.com forums who goes by the handle of Pac-Man Plus. 
and they have taken an existing hack by Rob Koodle, in this case a hack of Miss Pac-Man called Mr. Pac-Man. Pac-Man Plus worked on that hack until they created a Pac-Man Plus title for the Atari 2600. This Pac-Man Plus has not rested on their laurels, as they've also hacked a version for the Atari 5200 by way of Miss Pac-Man. Going so far as to alter the Atari bonus item for that game, the logo, back to its proper galaxian form for the Atari 5200's Pac-Man Plus. But Pac-Man Plus has also been busy on the Atari 7800 front by hacking Miss Pac-Man on that system, but this time changing it to the impressive Pac-Man Collection, as it can now play not only Pac-Man Plus, but Hangly Man, Miss Pac-Attack, and Ultra Pac-Man, which is Pac-Man but offers multiple maze layouts. Back in the arcades in 1982, Pac-Man Plus wasn't the only great game that Bally Midway released. That same year, they also had Blueprint, Burger Time, Domino Man, the criminally overlooked Satan's Hollow, Solar Fox, and a little unheard of game called Tron. Friends, I think that is about all I have to share with you on Pac-Man Plus. This week, I didn't get any questions from you listeners about the arcade, so I thought I might share this bit of exciting news. Just a little over a week ago, Shay broke through the wall into the second building, making it Arcadia 2.1, I suppose, if we go by his Facebook posts. Now, it's not open for business yet. There is still a bit of construction to be completed, but it will mean that the Arcadia Retrocade will have even more floor space for its game collection. And it's already got quite a few games waiting to make their debut over there, including Root Beer Tapper, Sky Adventure, Nastar Warrior, which, by the way, is the sequel to 1987's Rastan, Commando, and Quicks, to name a few. Even with the extra expenses of the second building, Shay is determined to not raise the rates at Arcadia. In hopefully a few weeks, you will now get even more bang for your buck, as the $5 entry fee will now grant you access to a second wing of classic arcade games. I suppose there is one more bit of exciting news to share with you listeners. Thanks to talented local artist Alec Mitchell, we have Diary of an Arcade Employee t-shirts. I'll share a photo of the shirt on the podcast post over at The Retroist. I am giving one away, and to be entered in the drawing, you need merely share your favorite arcade game in the comments section of the post, or send me a Twitter direct message at VicSage2005. That about wraps up our show for this go-around, but I would like to remind everyone listening that on Wednesday nights, I have started doing a live feed at the Arcadia Retrocade. You can find the feed on you now, Y-O-U-N-O-W, and find me by searching for my Twitter handle, which again is VicSage2005. There's no set amount of time for each feed, but I usually do it a couple times a night, taking my tablet through the arcade, talking to the players, and letting you see and hear these classic games. So I hope you'll join us for the next Diary of an Arcade Employee vidcast this Wednesday. Listeners, you should be hearing something exciting and new. No, I'm not talking about Pac-Man Plus, but... Our wonderful new ending theme entitled River Raid 
which was composed by the extremely talented Tony Longworth. You can listen to even more of his music on SoundCloud and on his official site, which you can reach at www.tonylongworth.com. Friends, if you have any feedback for the show or perhaps a suggestion for a game to cover, you can reach me at vicsage at retroist.com. Diary of an Arcade Employee is now available for download on iTunes. So if you have a moment, I would really appreciate it if you could stop by there and give us a positive review. It certainly helps to get the word out to new listeners. For further information about the Arcadia Retrocade, please make sure to follow them over on their Facebook page. I will be sure to provide a link on the Retroist post. Of course, I want to give a huge thanks to the Retroist for not just hosting this podcast, but for allowing me to record down here in the Retroist vault. And when you need your daily retro fix, why not visit the Retroist site at www.retroist.com. I hope you listeners will also share your memories of arcades and the game of the week in the comments section of the podcast post. Better yet, I hope you'll be able to share some vintage photos of your favorite arcades. Until next time, have a token on me as we listen to a clip for the game I will discuss on the next show. This has been a Retroist production. Goodbye, and we hope to see you next time.